Hey, hey, folks. How you doing? What is up? Oh. Can, can people hear us? Yeah, yeah, Should yeah. I'm doing okay. So the first thing we're going to start off with, because we're annoying as dicks, we're not doing a show Monday. So uh, I'd rather make money instead of catering to you assholes who don't give me any. Along with that, we may or may not do a show Sunday, a random show, and then it'll just be directly uploaded to our cast box. So you we can call that the better make sure show. to sub to them. What? Call that the paywall show. Dude, uh, <laughs> maybe. You guys got to send us shekels. We'll send you the file. That's the way. And more than likely, we'll just, it'll either just be a me and a guest show or just me and a no live show. Mm. Nothing long, just whatever, shoot, little shoot. bullshit things. As of right now, our cast box, there's not a whole lot of people checking out our cast box, be up front. So I want to draw more people to that because the archives are probably more important than watching the live show. Because either way, we don't really make a whole lot of money doing this. We'll put in a whole uh, lot of effort. No, no, no. Uh, our effort is bare minimum. At uh, that, though, we're that's, just that's generous. We're just good at talking, and everyone wants to hear my sexy voice. Yeah, well, that's about it. Well, and, oh, gone. What's up, Roger? Hey, yeah. what's up? How are you doing? We're doing good. So uh, we're talking about where you're from, French Guiana. So yeah, give us a little bit of history about it. Uh, well, it was a part of it was part of a French overseas territory which I have family from. Uh, it was conquered by France a long time ago, and uh, I guess they have Indian, they have some black, and they have some white French and some natives. But the overseas territories of France, they have some in the Indian Ocean, they have some in. Uh, the Pacific, some in the Atlantic, but that's only like 4% of the population, maybe not even 5%. So that's not really like, you know, mainland France. And and people from the overseas islands, they don't really move in there. Uh, the French, they had plantations everywhere and they moved people around and they bought servants and they bought laborers from one place to another. So from India or, you know, some other place and then they brought them to another part. So I've actually heard the islands that France owns are the whitest country in Africa at 30, I think it was like 35% white, like purely white. It's like the Seychelles, S-E-Y or C-H-E-L-L-E. -E. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because white French people, they also tend to settle there. They don't, uh, because some of those territories didn't vote to leave France. Uh, when uh, when the French uh, well they didn't decide to leave the French Republic they wanted to be a part of it but the French still are were dominancy but you know but but these overseas people they don't really come into France very much not very often not like these migrants these migrants they come into France and they don't even speak French okay so how'd your family end up there uh, just brought from India over to the French Guiana and the French overseas islands in the 1800s working on the plantations. So are you purely French then? No, I'm not. They're not French, French, but Indian? Yeah, yeah. But like, but I mean, like I, I mean, technically I would have like paper, by paper form, yes, but not by like any ethnic standard. 
Okay. So, I mean, like, I mean, I was born in the United States, but technically I, I, I am eligible and I do have, like, you know, citizenship and stuff for the EU and France. But I would not want to go to France. Hmm. Uh, France is certainly an interesting country. Not too many people can pride themselves off of eating frogs. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, France is uh, certainly an interesting country. It's also kind of like the birthplace of liberalism. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, it's either that or it's the Anglos who did it. I, I would say all Protestant countries were the ones in the forefront of liberalism. Okay, okay. You said because uh, because I heard the quote that said that uh, uh, capitalism is just secularized Protestantism. I think it was from some pope or something. I cannot disagree with that. But on the other hand, my family's been... Uh, Protestant since we hit the shores of America over for nearly 400 years ago. I have no Catholic ancestors and the last Anglo or last like true Anglo ancestor I have is from the 1840s. Well, well, I mean, the only one thing I like about the Anglo tradition is that uh, when the Anglos, when they ruled places, they never really mixed with the population, like the Spanish and Portuguese. Like I think the Portuguese are like 10 or 15, they're like 15% mixed. Yeah. Um, okay, so you know how everyone talks about the Moors being the reason that there's there's black and Middle Eastern DNA floating in Spain? Well, that's yeah, not the only that. reason. Also Romans and also like other stuff like that, like Hannibal. Well, technically Spain's one of the few countries that brought slaves to Europe. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the few countries that actually did that because Spain's right on the border of Islamic culture and even though the or islamic people took it over it was still mostly slavic and other european and uh, caucasian people whether middle eastern or european well actually most of the non-white admixture in spain is actually arab uh, like arab or like the when we start talking about that kind of stuff um arabs at the time before the mass slavery markets were pretty white i guess you could say they the somalians are a different type of black than uh the the africans were dealing with yeah 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 but i'm saying that they had like you know berber like berbers had some uh you know admixture with negroid mm-hmm. well so, berbers are I, i've heard that the berbers are closest to actually the basque yeah there's like 20% black, 10% black within the Berber populations, but they're mostly yeah, well, mostly connected to the Basque people. At least well, Basque nationalism is kind of gross. It's kind of disgusting. It's a Marxist nationalism, same with Catalonia. It's pro-migrant, but it's like fuck off Spain. It's kind of like how uh, the Irish nationalism developed into. Well, in Ireland, there are some people who are not like that. Uh, the Fine Gael, and it got co-opted into it, but there is a faction that is definitely like the Irish National Party. But I'm saying Basque and Catalonia, it's like all like like Marxist like crap. Well, yeah, that really got its start in the 1930s because Franco was fighting against Basque nationalists. I've never really fully understood. Uh, okay, so you got to realize Spain is an empire. So most of the people that actually went to the New World were largely Basque in like Canary Islands and, and uh, the Celtic Astorians and everything. 
most of middle Spain, most of southern Spain, where we talk about Middle Eastern culture, that's not really there. Uh, you did get Jews and everything, but they essentially got bred out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what I was trying to say is that, uh, you know, Protestantism, uh, definitely, because uh, I want to talk about that, and then I want to talk about, you know, why migrants come to the West, but Protestantism, I wouldn't give it too much crap because they did understand race realism and eugenics and some of that stuff. They kind of brought that stuff to the forefront where some of the Catholics in the Mediterranean were. I, I do want to bring up, so a lot of people talk about Protestantism and the reason that it's linked to nationalism is because they were trying to find a new God. Yeah, I mean, I heard about that, yeah. They were trying to because they had a different interpretation, yes. Uh, but yeah, but like I'm seeing Protestants in mix like the like the Roman Catholics. I mean, I know the Polish Catholics are a little bit different, but the Protestants they never really did that, and they understood racial differences, and they were a little bit more into that Darwinian stuff a little bit. And I think that was somewhat like I don't believe in like micro. I, I don't believe in macroevolution, like humans turning into apes. I think that's a little bit like overblown, and the out of Africa theory has been debunked. But I believe in like plankton and like double cell organisms turning or like smarter people breeding with smarter people like eugenics. But I don't believe in like, you know, like people transforming into something else. Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Give me a second. Uh, go on, or no lies. Yeah, talk to him. Give me a second. All right, well, I'm gonna have to fight hard to tip my fedora because there's as far as I'm aware, there's no difference between macro and micro evolution. Those are just creationist made up straw men. Well, I mean, I'm thinking micro means like plankton or like double cell organisms changing. No, no. In the context of the creationist argument, micro evolution is the idea of adaptations within species. And uh, what they say is macro evolution is the idea that different species turn into one another. Right, but oh. but that that's like complete horseshit because the species change over time. It's not apes turning into men. It's it's ape ancestors turning into apes and men at the same time, like depending on the environment, what have you. Okay, well I don't see all these in between species. Okay, well gives a shit. They are they are out there. Like, just wait, because, you're a pure evolutionist. Um, no, no, I kind of believe the way he does. Like, I feel like something set us up in motion. Like, he, he created, like, uh, I don't know how to properly explain this, but he created a lion, and then that lion obviously divided into separate peoples or separate creatures, and then etc. Like, there's so many subspecies, I understand, but I don't feel an animal will eventually turn into a new animal. Yeah, I mean, like, I believe, like, plankton and, like, double-celled organisms evolve like that, because that's just the way they are. They're, like, not that complex, but I don't, yeah, I don't believe in, like, stuff turning into something else. It doesn't. It evolves over time. Small mutations add up. If you, if you take a snapshot, it'll appear that they turn into each other, but, you know, if you look at it you take it generation by generation, you'll see a, something that's slightly different over time. 
Well, all I can say is that uh, right now is that the out of Africa theory has been debunked. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not fully versed in the cons of it. Well, the thing with the out of Africa theory, basically what it is, is humans may have actually had its creation story due to the Neanderthals and Erectus breeding in the Middle East and Southern Europe. Yep. So the, the one big issue with all of this is that damp climates do not keep fossils. Yes. There's a reason we know so much about woolly mammoths and other Arctic animals or semi-Arctic animals in, in dry climates. If you go to Germany, you go to all these countries that were not covered by glaciers, at least in the last million, two million years, you're not going to find anything. So there could be an in-between species, but if it happened in, in Europe, you're not going to find anything. It's just that all the older, really old ones can found in Africa. Like Lucy, isn't that 2.6 million? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure there's older ones that have been found. That are in well, the I wanted, well, I wanted to kind of talk about why people like kind of come to the West uh, you know, uh, first it's kind of like the liberalism, but also I guess people kind of, I noticed that they started coming to Protestant countries and then they kind of spread to Catholic ones too. Uh, and then like all over the place, but it's because people want that like bourgeois lifestyle. Well, uh, Catholic countries have different interpretations of things. Nationalism in the general sense did not really exist until the nation state formalized and other things like that. So the reason that they want to come to Northwestern countries is because nationalism has ran its course in many of these places. On the other hand, Sweden had the strongest nationalist parties because they never had any of the poor Hitler shit because they were, uh, they, they played both sides. And all, all right. So Sweden had a hyper-nationalistic party until women started voting. So there's ideas that women created fascism by trying to change things too fast. Well, in Sweden, I know what happened. In Sweden, I've actually written an article a while back. Um, I, I think it got taken down a while back, uh, but I wrote an article about like how multiculturalism and how left if the sexual revolution and feminism came by. It came by this one guy uh, named uh, like Olaf Palme, and uh, Olaf Palme had this one uh, Jewish friend named uh, David Schwartz, who basically tried to pull the whole like Holocaust thing, and then saying that they didn't take enough refugees during that time, and then trying to guilt trip them. And a lot of these like you know these these Marxists, uh, when that didn't work, they kind of switched to more the cultural, the social kind of the more like bourgeois egalitarian type. And that's what kind of happened. And they think Paul may might have been a crypto Jew, but he was from his parents were like kind of like uh, were like probably far left wing Bolsheviks and Trotskyists who probably just fled when Stalin came in power. And they're the ones that kind of changed the immigration law in Scandinavia. Mm, yeah, that's another thing that I've never really gotten caught up in the Jew hate because Anglo's and Nordics are just as good at setting things down the line well i mean i was saying that i mean i mean uh, well i don't know if olaf palme was but 
I'm saying he was probably an upper class Anglo or Nordic. Yeah, he definitely was. He was probably, a, uh, but I'm saying that uh, David Schwartz definitely had some stuff to do with it. Like they rubbed shoulders. I'm sure No Lies has something to say on this. Explain yourself then. I don't know a fucking thing about Swedish nationalism. Oh, it's on the other side of the world and it's ancient history. I don't give a shit. No, no, that's why Australia shouldn't exist. It doesn't exist. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> Look, go on, Roger. Uh, well, I mean, I was saying that the reason most people come to a lot of countries is because they want the bourgeois lifestyle with that status card and nice shoes the Uber and the Starbucks and all these nice gift cards and dressing nice and bling blings and listening to, you know, Akon concerts or some Drake concert. Yeah, this just isn't like, exactly you know, revolutionary stuff. Everyone knows that they're moving here for materialistic reasons. They yeah. literally say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's either that or it's kind of like, you know, it's, uh, or, or they get it either by like, you know, becoming elites on the stock market or they, or to get it via government subsidy. I just kind of feel that, like, you know, we need to, uh, we need to acknowledge what it is, and we need to, you know, talk about, you know, maybe some of the reasons why. Hold on, are there people saying they're coming for other reasons? There's no no Mohammedans coming here for the the great Australian spiritual life. No one's coming to the states for their the evangelical mega churches right well like other than that what is there other than materialism come to the west well well well, i noticed that in america they usually say that they're like poor helpless refugees when they're really not and and the implication with that is they want want more material stuff right well okay so in america and possibly in europe and not really australia so the Western powers love destabilizing poorer countries and then having them flood in. Well, not the Western power, international finance. I would yeah. certainly okay. say that America has effect in that, whether you want to blame it on uh, a strange ethnic people. Well, Wall Street. Well, it's not a strange ethnic people. It's Wall Street, uh, Brussels, and the city of London. All so, finance. yes. Yeah, they, they, uh, and they all wear little hats together not, not all of them. Angles are just good. Well, Angles are spiritual Semites. Hey, you shut the fuck up. The only people that are allowed to say that are Anglos. Okay. <laughs> boot buttons looking mighty tempting. But uh, in all seriousness, yeah. they come good. here sometimes for safety, but along with safety, there becomes an economic benefit. Now, if America would stop fiddling with all these fucking countries, we wouldn't have so many of them. Yes, a lot of them are wanting the materials, but others really do want a good life for themselves. But I don't care about either of them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, well, there is... Well, the reason I don't like using the word America or countries is because these globalist elites, they don't need countries. They don't use countries to do a lot of the displacing. Like a lot of people blame war and stuff for doing a lot of it. I think like Nick Griffin was saying in parliament, and no, I'm not talking about all angles. I'm talking about more about the kind of the upper weird class of them. with the So just big, big Anglo. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the more of the really upper, upper ones. Uh, but anyways, Nick Griffin was saying that a lot of this stuff doesn't happen with governments. It just happens with private actors. Like, like, like governments are kind of like, you know, are anemic and are kind of useless in terms of stopping it or even, even starting it. Uh, like a lot yeah. of these, have like, you, have you guys ever read anything about fourth generation warfare? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I have. Okay. So basically right now, economic interests are the ones that control all nations are dead. So the big issue that the right wing's always having is we're obsessed with the big P politics. There's a reason that like Casa Pound and other nationalist groups like that are the ones growing rather than um, guys that are want to smash in there, go into parliament. There, governments don't really run as much as we would like them to believe they run. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm saying that if you look at like what's been going on in terms of the West, like in terms of the NGOs and in terms of the smugglings and in terms of the drug trade, a lot of these things have happened without government interference. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and so-called, you know, Stefan Molyneux is an Ayn Rand thing. If we had their utopia today, we'd be at the exact same spot we are today, except with more private actors. Okay, so what, what are you implying? Like, what like, is your like, solution? Uh, like, I'm saying that we need to, we need to definitely, you know, uh, you know, definitely have like some sort of retaliation towards cosmopolitanism. Uh, we need to definitely start identifying it. And we definitely need to, as you said, work on the little C constitution and the little P politics and more of more like, you know, community building and more like fundraising. Like the left has this beat on that. They have people who are like, you know, full-time activists. Even with yeah, that, donation, we, we talk about that on the show. What the what incentive does the right wing have to ever actually be out and about formally right wing? I run into people that are like, God damn, this city's gotten dark. And I'm like, what are you doing about it then? They're like, yeah. what what incentive do I have to work towards any nationalistic ideas? any anti-immigration ideas uh, like look how kyle rittenhouse is getting ran up the road and he's fucking hispanic uh wait isn't he white i think he's off-white like no. look he's white yeah. enough for the media he's white enough for me. yeah okay because he looked white to me yeah i think he's castizo oh, okay his mom's white but he's uh, like, dude, we're not going to get autistic into it. The point is, the right wing has no economic benefits. Like, well, I'm seeing that a lot of leftists, they, uh, I mean, they're able to raise economic funds even with very little money. Like, I know people in these, like, big cities where apartment rent is off the roof, and they're still able to live because, you know, their full-time job is for the people who don't do activism, for them to pay people to live in apartments and do it full-time. Like... Me and No Lives joke around about how you guys don't pay us and all that. And it's kind of right. Where this whole thing, like all these podcasts, they're risking their life. Or at least the, the chance of their lives being destroyed. If you can't even fund what you enjoy listening to, what the, f like, why should we set ourselves out? Well, I mean... I mean, I've funded a lot of podcasts in my life. I think I've probably donated about two or three thousand, like probably close to three thousand dollars to podcasters. 
No, no, that it was a point. It wasn't gun towards you. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you enjoy something, you enjoy a guy doing activism, you enjoy uh, listening to the talk shows, you enjoy all these different right-wing avenues, then pay for them. The left isn't scared of paying for these things. Another way, a lot of people it's, forget... It's not like the left is being blocked from the financial system either. Okay, so go get a P.O. box and have money orders. That's how I used to do my T-shirt company. Well, well and that's like effort. Well, also there's a lot of like you know alternative platforms from Russia or Japan that won't really censor you. Like there's VK, which is the Russian version of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Which like really like I know it doesn't get you as much, but if more and more people start moving on there, that would really get momentum. And there's a lot of like you know foreign payment processors from countries that don't really care. So you you guys are gonna hate me, but from what I understand, the best payment processors are the ones that deal with shady stuff, like porno ones. That's what I've been told from other people that do this kinds of stuff. Hmm. Are you gonna regale us with your vast knowledge of porno processors? Ah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, I know like Pornhub was where these to all the gun videos when they took them off youtube yep <laughs> i forgot about that big yeah. long black gun yeah yeah i remember that <laughs> and then they took it off Pornhub too but i i'm just saying that the right wing has no economic incentive to do on all of this stuff and then also you throw in the the feds and small town governments or even medium-sized town governments where nationalists normally live this is until there's money pumped into this shit no one's gonna really want to do it except the bizarre people they get these centrics which i consider all of us three quite eccentric yeah 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 well i mean um well i think that also that also like the left they do it uh, even when they're not making like you know a lot of money like i know a lot of leftist people who are more broke than us like you know a lot of sociology professors right yeah. Like when you take in like student loans and all the shit that they pay for and leftists are like very materialistic, right? They're more broke than most of us are. And they're still able to like kind of pay for a lot of these things, you know? Well, they also don't have everyone breathing down their back like we do. And they've got a very rich benefactor. Uh, yeah. Grease the skids a bit. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh, but I'm talking about like you know most of like like besides the BLM, the head of BLM, most of the BLM is kind of broke. Like most people in those stuff are broke. Like they don't. Oh, make fun. okay. So there's a okay. So a lot of people don't need to be paid. They need uh, emotional support, and they get stuff given to them. Like not. That needs credit cards to cover that. Yeah, well, dude, let's put it this way. They were passing out drinks and all of that shit when they were trying to riot down Fort Wayne or protest. Uh, it was a riot until the pigs got involved. You get what I'm saying? Uh, people are passing out shit. So we need actual incentives to do shit. Uh, back in the 90s, they had music for, for talking like purely skinhead shit. Uh, they still had groups. They still had concerts. There was still money being pumped in. People, like, for example, me me and you were just downloading music. 
Like most of my music is downloaded. I still try buying CDs every three, six weeks. Does it happen all the time? No. Hold on. CDs, is this the dance you do while your wife's download? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I'm just saying that there, we got to start pumping money into this shit. And I'm not just the the local uh, Jew doing this shit. But if there is no economic incentive, if there is no one willing to connect you with a job that's easier to be, or a little more doctor. Well, or anything well, like that. Uh, well, also nowadays, it's also easier to kind of, you know, bring stuff up and shed stuff into life, right? I remember yeah. that I was the kid, you know, who exposed the bike lock professor to Eric Clanton and uh, Diablo Valley College professor from Film Your Marxist professors, uh, Albert Ponce. And I did it via hidden cameras and pointing out their tattoos for everyone to, you know, kind of know the connection. It's a lot easier now because now you can just go on uh, lecture Zoom sessions because they're practically public. Mm-hmm. Well, I was also thinking of this. We could also do something else. Uh, most college books are for free. You can find them online. You could hit their pockets. As you said, most of those guys are pretty broke. Right, and, but uh, the, uh, the exercises you need to do in, that are included are not free. They've, uh, they've managed to get around that. I mean, my point still stands. It does. There's only so much they can go around that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, yeah, that I, if you need to buy a book for a course, they they figured out how to avoid the piracy problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that is, but I'm saying that now it's a lot easier to expose professors. Like, I really think that the think that a lot of these vampire professors, as I call it, the thing they hate is like, you know, being exposed on YouTube or media or stuff. Because I've noticed that when I expose stuff to red elephants or I just put it up on a Facebook partner and uh, uh, and I think a bunch of other people put it up. Even Amron put it up. Like I, I've noticed that our circles it tends to go around faster. You helped Vince what? with the uh, the film your local or film your Marxist. Yeah, dude, I'm not even allowed in Diablo Valley College anymore. Oh damn! Like they, well, they kicked me out after I graduated with my associates. Isn't that funny? I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, that's pretty tight. I, w- <laughs> I miss Vince. I, I should probably try reconnecting with him, but my show's kind of been shattered since he came on. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, there's like three people listening right now. I used to get more on YouTube and all of that. Uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We also need to start, you know, getting into entertainment, you know, maybe, you know, making some like video game streams or stuff like that. Well, yeah, you could do the PewDiePie method. Even though I don't really think he believes like what we do, there's still a right-wing tinge to him. Yeah, Until the fucking Brit, uh, Britain, ter- uh, Brit- Britain thing happened. Britain, Britain. Oh, uh, yeah, Britain, Karen? Yeah. I remember in this, I remember a bunch of colleges and a bunch of community centers full of leftists were having discussions in an attempt to prevent future Brenton Terrence, which all they were were echo chambers. So it's like there was another Brenton Terrence somewhere. It's like that wouldn't stop him. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, is that in Brenton Terrence, I knew a friend from the Balkans, from Bosnia and Serbia. 
Uh, he's from Bosnia and he's been to Serbia and he said in Serbia, some people make statues of him. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, some people, some kids just started welding like old uh, Yugoslav construction materials and making a statue. And in Bosnia, so one third of Bosnian Muslims, they don't really give a damn. They're just like, whatever. I, I, I live around like them. They still drink alcohol, eat pork. They're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying they're not really. It's just by like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a lot. It, it's mostly kind of atheist, but one third don't really care. And the other one third actually love him. Like even the Bosnians kind of love him. Well, no one likes invaders in their home. Well, but the like, Bosnians you know, actually like Brenton Tarrant, even though he was putting up a song about Serbs killing Bosnians. They were like, well, he didn't kill any Bosnians, so he's a hero in our book. <laughs> even the Bosnian Muslims. Uh, that's for my friend from Bosnia. He's actually Serbian, but he lives there. Well, yeah, that, we could, I'm still looking for someone to have on to talk about that war, that conflict. I think I might try connecting with a Serbian guy. So, well, I know Keith Woods made a really good video. What crippled the country was basically the IMF. And the IMF told basically uh, the, uh, uh, the country after Bro's Tito Day, he didn't have a successor because he had a cult of personality where he was brainwashed. Keith Woods made a really good video. And, uh, and after that, so the neoliberal shock therapy, even South Africa, apartheid South Africa was trying to work to destabilize it. And like 10 different countries of the anti-Cold War bloc were basically funding ragtag militias while the IMF and World Bank and all these international financial firms crippled it via debt. Well, uh, if you, I don't know how much you know about the war because I've only gotten bits and pieces. Like uh, I ran into some uh, ex-Albanians or Albanian ethnically and he couldn't even tell me anything about the conflict because he was around for the first two or three years and then he came to America. So he was only like three years old when he finally came up here. Um, he would, he told me that his uncles had bullet wounds from it, but they wouldn't talk about it. So th there is no honor in this, in, in that war. And then um, another odd fact, which is pretty interesting, is that the Croatian actually had French Foreign Legion guys, along with some skinheads and other uh, more racially aware guys fighting for them. Well, I think the Serbians, they were backed up by Israel or something. And um, I think the Bosnians were backed up by America. So, but then also the IMF, these, I think the Rothschilds and a bunch of these international groups also crippled the country via debt. And then they were forced to privatize and destroy everything. I thought that, uh, no, that was the Albanians that had the IMF. No, actually, no, 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 no. Keith Woods made a video on Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia got destroyed by the IMF before all of that happened. Well, that's not surprising. Uh, Yugos Yugoslavia is one of the, uh, I would say, non-aligned nations. So they never were really dominated by another country or at least through dominated through alliances. I mean, uh, even uh, was it Tito had like five assassins sent from Stalin. I wouldn't really consider Tito a hero. I mean, I didn't he was, say he was a hero. I'm just saying that a Yugoslavia was full nation. Oh, because uh, because my dad lived in because uh, my dad actually was in Yugoslavia for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. My dad used to be a socialist back in the 80s. Okay. Uh, so he was in Yugoslavia and he was in Belarus around the time of the collapse uh, of, the, of the whole Soviet thing. But he was in Yugoslavia and he was telling me about it. Uh, a lot of the Yugoslavia did actually, they were big into funding like South Africa and a lot of the ANC and a lot of those other like really radical leftist anti-white groups. In Serbia? Or like no, 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 South Africa. Like, okay. Hugo was like big into funding like African rebels. Well, dude, every country wanted to destabilize the West. The worst thing that we ever did as the Western nation is allow the or African countries to control themselves. What France did without immigrating or without have, or kind of convincing them to come to France itself was the right way. They gave them independence, demanded that structures of French colonization still stay in place, and they are the most stable nations. What England did was the worst thing that you could do for a, a colonized nation. Okay, here you go. You're free. Do whatever the fuck you want. We're washing our hands. Well, I kind of like uh, Mosley's idea a little bit better. He was going to, you know, via some aid or via some purchase and law crafted diplomacy, buy up one third of Africa for European settlers and then give the rest to the Africans. Mm-hmm. Well, Mosley came at a really bad time for for everyone. Yes, I understand that fascism can only really be constructed at panic at breaking that's how it is because that to have one man control so much of your aspects centralization only comes in collapse you you either can contain the power within a couple people or you let it all collapse i don't i don't know if we could have ever held on to africa indefinitely unless we had hate to say it, like ethnically cleanse, but even when we softly ethnically cleanse, America still broke away. Uh, well, uh, well, the thing about Africa is that we could have actually held on to Africa. It was political correctness and a lot of the leftist influence that made us give it up or made the Western powers give it up. I... I mean, even the French couldn't hold on to fucking Vietnam. Well, one third of their country was actually like uh, one third to one fourth of their country was actually communist. The others were like, you know, radical liberals. And there was a lot of crazy liberalism that happened from the uh, from the 1920s and also the 1960s that also destroyed it. What, okay, what, what countries are you referring to when you said countries? Uh, so I'm saying that uh, France, they were crippled by World War II. Yes. But even, but even when they fought, I mean, they were always killing like one to a hundred or one to 50. They were always having, I mean, I mean, from a, from a military, military victory or a pure battle to battle, uh, you know, uh, they were actually winning. Well, morale is the most important part of war. Okay. So do you, okay. So explaining Greek warfare, you had decently trained people in the front you had the least experienced in the middle, and then you had the extremely advanced in the back. That's how they fought. Okay, so if morale was that important at that time, 
morale was definitely much more important at the time of trying to uh, have colonies in Africa. We weren't adapted to the weather. We weren't uh, fighting for our homeland. We were fighting an offensive war against communists. And as you said, we were shooting a hundred of them and there was still a hundred more behind them. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that there was also like, uh, like what happened in Rhodesia is that Rhodesia, more people would die of actually cigarettes or car crashes than they would in actual battle. It's the Labor Party and a lot of these internationalist kind of socialists, these like, you know, these liberals, like, you know, Attlee and also like, I forgot who the Labor Prime Minister was when the 60s and 70s, but they actually worked to cripple it, like the counterculture and the hippie movement, especially in Europe more often than America. America still bought stuff from Rhodesia, but they actually worked to cripple Rhodesia and South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason that our, South Africa went to the Blacks is a morale thing. It wasn't actually South Africans. It was being closed off. South Africa only traded for, with Israel and some Middle Eastern countries for a while. And uh, that's how uh, the fucking Israelis got nukes was through South Africa. Uh, but I still kind of like, you know, I... Uh, I, I remember Max Mosley or some of Mosley's relatives were still into it. Even after that whole Rhodesian got left away, a lot of them were still into that idea. Like, I still, you know, truly believe in that, you know, that Eurafrica Eurafric, uh, Eurafric plan can, you know, hopefully get, like, you know, maybe a piece of Africa. Especially with the collapse of the third world, it, would, it wouldn't be too hard to, diplomatically to do it. Uh, but I think the first step is really to kind of, you know, uh, you know, get more organized and get more power in the first world, but you need to kind of have extreme major visions and big goals to drive people towards. I think that the the West's morale is dead to do anything great. Our technological advancements have basically stalemated since the 90s. The West is dead. Uh, I wouldn't say any place was dead. I mean, it was a lot more depressing in the Weimar Republic. Uh, Weimar Republic had a lot of migrants from Slavic, Azerbaijan, um, Mediterranean Turks, and a lot of other Caucasus places. I mean, they had a lot of similar problems. I don't think any place is dead. I think I see it more as an opportunity. I think liberal democracy itself, since uh, Anglo-liberalism and the French Revolution, was already kind of in decline. Mm, I yeah maybe once the uh, the generation of the sixty eighters kind of goes away, we may or may not. Um, I personally I think it's dead. I, I think it's either going to go like a phoenix or fizzle out completely gone. Mm. But right now it's dead. It may come back bigger and better than ever, but the average empire only lasts, what, 500 years? Well, I wouldn't say America was like an empire because I think an empire itself has a certain level of patriotism and tradition, kind of like the emperor of mankind. I think it, I think it became an empire when it kept the South. Uh, it kept the South? Yeah, yeah. When we fought the Civil War... And then we didn't let the Midwest states even go. I think that just I, I'm simply a, what 
I don't think I could really support the South and completely because the South was heavily Jewish funded by the Judah Benjamin and international finance. And we talked about it being like the Revolutionary War, but then the allied with Britain. No, uh, no, I don't mean like who should have won. I, that's not my concept. An empire is a, a set of multiple ethnicities under one crown, which in many ways, the presidency of Lincoln was under a crown. I think once that happened, it became an empire. So would you consider the United Kingdom of today to be an empire? Yeah. How about France of today? The the French literally was an empire, and so was Spain. Uh, uh, would you consider it still as an empire? Like Spain or France? Yeah. Uh, well, Spain or France basically wiped out other ethnicities. So they, they Francofied them. Uh, Spain, yeah, I would still consider Spain an no, empire. because France has overseas, and, and uh, Germany still has a bunch of different peoples. I don't know if necessarily having different ethnicities definitely makes you an empire. Mm, that's how I've always been heard, or that's how I have always heard it be considered. Um. On the other hand, you're like, oh, we can own multiple city-states and then become an empire. I get what you're saying, but I still consider France an empire. I still consider America an empire. Uh, Canada, I don't really consider an empire. It's, uh, Mexico was known as an empire for a long time. Is it now? I think they've uh, wiped out more ethnic separatists and other... I think they pretty well Mexified all of them. Well, 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 because an empire usually has a traditional mythos. Uh, it usually has a body politic that people are willing to die for and are so fanatically obsessed with. And, you know, it has that type of stuff. I would say right now we were all, you know, what we call, you know, under the, we're infected countries with liberalism. That's what I would probably say. Mm -hmm. Give me one second. So those who are listening, make sure to check out the cast box. Uh, we're about 50 minutes in. Uh, along with that, if you guys are listening to the cast box, make sure to check us out at No or No Lives. You you say it. All right. This week it's No Hyphen No Hyphen Under Lives. Just do the fucking link, Blake. Jesus Christ! Why do you make me do this every week? Because you're changing it every week. So just put the link in. They're not going to okay. check it out anyway. No, no. We, we are famous, sir. We have Roger, the one and only. Okay. But go on, Roger. Uh, talk about the mythos. Like, what do, what do you mean by mythos? Oh, uh, like, empires, you know, usually have, like, you know, like Warhammer 40K or how Britain was about, you know, like, you know, about, you know, a thousand years ago. You know, they had, like, you know. They had like a mythos. They had like an emperor or some king who was more like of a meme. He was something that, you know, that you would sing about, you would uh, fantasize about, that you would, you know, have a strong allegiance to, that you would like, you know, put your, you would bow down to. Like it was kind of a, you know, it gave you a sense of pride in the community and a sense of, you know, stuff. Like when people say what's going on in the West is colonization, I don't think it's colonization. This colonization implies that there's something to be advanced, contributed, or, you know, benefited. I 
I've heard this theory. I don't really disagree or agree, but I think America definitely has a mythos to it. Uh, but I mean, I'm seeing that definitely like an empire, like definitely not like a mainstream mythos. Like there's definitely a lot of people in here who shouldn't be here because they don't really like it. They don't like anything about it. And it's just like, I think Tucker was saying, it's just, it's not going to be possible for somebody to rule a country they don't like. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people didn't like the Roman, Roman Republic, and that's why it collapsed. Well, yeah, but that was a little bit different. That's because the slave population was getting big. And that was also because of a lot of like, you know, actual, like literal, like, you know, people actually like stabbing their way in. I feel like you're changing the goalpost on this. Oh, you mean on what an empire is, or like? Yeah, I feel like you you're kind of rotating it. Well, okay, fine. So the Rome was an empire, but I think Rome isn't like what we have today. Like what we have, I don't know if it's necessarily an empire in the same sense. In a sense that I don't look at egalitarian values as an empire. Maybe on a financial level, it's a it's some level of hegemony, yes, and cultural. Um, well, that's how Rome expanded and had its soft power was through economics and trade. I don't know about that. Well, there was certainly an aspect of that because that's how so many of the German tribes ended up squaring allegiance to it. And uh, that's how Romans got their foot in uh, Brittany was through trade. So would you say that the British Empire was the same way? Yes, Absolutely. You got to realize that Anglos, uh, well, every European people base their empire in many ways on the Roman Empire, on the Greek empires. The building block for Western civilization, not all aspects, is based on the Roman Empire. The English got its foot in every door, basically, through trade. Yeah. Well, also the word, uh, the Russians had the word czar, which actually means Caesar. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, they were actually kind of based on that, too. Well, for a long time, uh, the, the Ottoman Empire was known as Rome. Everyone uh, wants to be the new Rome. Okay. Uh, what I kind of see, what I kind of see the world is that I kind of look at it and I sent it in the group chat, um, you know, just on Facebook. Uh, I see a world between two different things, democratic republics or what I call liberal democracies, you know, international organizations or global homo, traditionalism and empire. And I see it in those four different things. So I would look at empires and nationalism and traditional being right-wing and modernism and democracies and internationalism or global homo being left-wing. I, I am curious on your interpretation of how much technology has grown in empires. Do we really need land now? We, we want capital. So we don't need to build empires anymore if we can just exploit them through capital. That's what China is doing in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, uh, so an empire is at this point, no, not really. If, if you consider what now is an empire, which you know, we obviously differed. That's not what I would really consider my staple model. Like what I look at as like a good model is kind of like, you know, I can like Warhammer 40K. Okay, explain this. 
Warhammer 40k is about a country that has a mythos and a meme, like the god emperor of mankind. He's not really a god. He's more of a meme. And he doesn't really rule directly, but he gives you a sense of hope and a sense of pride. And he represents honor, dignity, and courage and valor. And people are like, you know, they're like, you know, it's better to die for the emperor than live for yourself. And to the entire society with the insignias and everything. Okay. Would you die for about... corpse god? Really? <laughs> I would not. No, he's not a corpse god. He is actually the emperor of mankind. All right. You can, uh... you can do that all you like. Okay, well, at least before the Horus Heresy, that was something that I would really like. But I'm saying, like, I'm talking about pre Horus Heresy. Hmm. I think the close, or like, honestly, I, I mean this seriously, would fascism work in an era of mass technology? Would which work? Would fascism or totalitarianism or, or something along those lines, like what China is doing in it, would it work in Western civilization? Because uh, of how well, much technology yeah, I think it would even work even better uh, in Western civilizations. I think it'll probably come to it where we either have to experience some decadence, like we're going to have to live like, you know, Judge Dredd, where we have walled cities. And then we're like, you know, fighting off mutants or we're back to barbaric tribes fighting each other. Or we're going to have to have some sort of like, you know, third positionist order. And third positionism is something that was coined by Juan Perón to describe the alternative between capitalism and kind of the communist, the, the Eastern Bloc. So have you indulged in archaeofuturism, anything like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know about Italian futurism and archaeofuturism. Okay, so do you want to explain that to those who are listening? Archaeofuturism was kind of, uh, well, wasn't it like a, it was something that was actually done by Gilliam Fay. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was like kind of like a society kind of based on like universalist laws. And it was kind of based on like kind of, kind of some aesthetics and kind of a mythos behind it. It's kind of hard to explain. Unless you've actually read the book. Yeah. It, it, it was based on traditionalism, but it's like restoring the past with kind of the, with kind of the technology and the stuff of the future. Mm -hmm. I, do you think something like that is bound to happen, whether it's a right-wing or a left-wing aesthetic? Uh, well, I think that the, um, well, I think that, that, that definitely there will be a right-wing people that will start to move, that will start to move towards third position as the current kind of, you know, the, that kind of classical liberalism versus egalitarian liberalism, that paradigm is not really working. You have more hope than I do. Uh, because I think that just because, you know, even though we can't outspend them and, we, you know, we're not gonna, you know, like slap them across the face and win like the Proud Boys are doing, uh, we can definitely out-argue them. We definitely can out, uh, you know, fact them. We can definitely, you know, we definitely have truth on our side. And, you know, and, and, you know, and even though, like, you know, it seems like a lot of things are going bad, uh, you know, that, you know, they're assuming that, you know, that they're taking power and they're kind of getting high on their own supply. Like, if the left really wanted to take power, instead of all this screaming, because the market for screaming is oversaturated, uh, more screaming just gets lost in the noise. It's not just zero, it's negative. That means their screaming actually makes more people come to us. And... 
really, like really, they're not the people that hold up the societies. They're the people that parasite off of it, just move around numbers of their upper class or their, or their tech monopolies. They just fuck over people on the smaller end or their parasitic underclasses from overseas or their foreign elites. They're not people who have stakes in the countries. Mm-hmm. Not capable of restoring order. Like I don't think a third world horde is going to hold up liberalism or leftism. The third world hordes aren't like that. I, I, I don't think that we will get to the point where this stuff will happen. I think the normie is dumb, or at least not politically inclined or culturally inclined whatsoever. Normie, uh, well, I think like, I think I've heard a saying. I think it was by like Rockwell or somebody like, or, or somebody like that. We're just saying that, you know, it's kind of like a spectator sport. And I don't really like him. He's a little bit cringe and a little bit, you know, out of the bloom. He was a pro-capitalist kind of guy. He used to always, you know, triumph capitalism. So he was kind of a disgrace to the third positionism. I call him just like a racialist conservative. Who, who was it? Rockwood. Oh, okay. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, because he's just like, he, he, he always like talks good about capitalism. And he like, you know, he, he plays about, like all I call it, he's just a racialist conservative in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in many ways, I'm probably the same as him. A racialist conservative? Yeah, in many ways, I am. I'll, I'll be up front. I'm kind of, as I dub myself, a racist, a racist douchebag. <laughs> well, so a racialist conservative, he's like pro-capitalism, so he wants kind of like the 1920s with a little bit more racism and eugenics, and that's basically it. Well, I think capitalism and eugenics blends quite well. In a true merit society, um, you have to have some. Uh, because like, that's not because that's not really going along with the third positionist idea. No, I, I, I'm kind of my ideas. I will openly admit, at times are schizophrenic. Okay, because uh, because I kind of see a lot of the third positionism. And also, like, you know, merging of state uh, enterprises with the private industry, inheritance tax, and nationalization of a lot of these big cosmopolitan cultural left-wing groups as kind of, you know, if, they're, if we can take control and we can kind of, you know, do it, we can really start to change a lot of these things. I think integrating the stuff. But I also think the thing is, is really that, you know, we have to be able to unite groups. Like, I really liked how Trump, in, and I'm not on the wagon, was able to unite the kind of the conspiracy crowd with kind of the military and police and all of these different people mm-hmm. along with some of the more ethical capitalists like dana white from the ufc uh, i wouldn't call him ethical but yes but, but he's not like you know he's not promoting like degeneracy no 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 actually i would say that for all of those who listen whether you're on the cast box or d live make sure to check out the d live give us some numbers give us some shekels and the cast box, make sure to tell your friends, send it to everyone, um, that fighting is something that we should take up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely think that MMA definitely has a right-wing bias. I've noticed even in San Francisco, there's a lot of right-leaning MMA fighters. Well, you, you have the BLM guys, which, okay, for right-wing blacks, that's theirs. Unless you start considering and getting it like uh, we were talking about the Basque nationalism earlier and saying it was 
communist or proto-communist or whatever. But I consider like, do you consider identity politics in general to be a right-wing idea? Uh, or is that a left-wing idea? Identity politics can be kind of both, but it depends on how it's used. If it's post-colonialism, which is like the AOC crowd, which is blaming YD and colonialism, then that's kind of a left-wing crowd. Like, it's really easy, uh, but it's just like kind of like, you know, but, you know, but if it's like more for, you know, building a nation or building a community or trying to create something like the Faustian spirit, I would consider that more right-wing. Okay. Well, bud, we got, I'm... I'm going to go hit the bag and be athletic and uh, work out. We, we've been recording for an hour and three minutes by the time. Uh, is there anything that you want to start a conversation on? I got like 10 more minutes. You want to pinpoint something? Well, I mean, I know that the way to stop, uh, fix the problem is to have a, a kind of a third position is, you know, maybe kind of a state that, is anti-capitalist and it's anti-parasitic in nature and has like you know good laws but i think that the the problem is right now it's uniting different groups behind it and we have to like you know really understand the target audience uh like i would say that you know the target audience would be the typical disillusioned maga supporter who you know 85 percent of them are you know of heritage european stock and, uh, you know, and they're, and they're quite an easy base to kind of push into the third position. And that is your target base. They're big in the military police and the middle class. And, you know, and you can kind of control the backbones of society. You can kind of probably, you know, control the society itself. I have found that Bernie bros are awesome to convert because they already are racially aware. But not in the right way. It's easy to change that shit. You just got to know what you got to pinpoint. Um, most of the guys that came in to like hear our stuff, they came in through like Irony Bros and other groups like that. I think they would be easy to convert, especially something third positionist, because if you take away certain elements of communism, they're there to float in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good with Bernie Bros. Uh, well, 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 real communism has never really been tried. The Soviet Union was more of just a extreme form of socialist kind of state. It wasn't really a communist state. Communism was a theoretical model where everybody just moves around openly and gets whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I would say Bernie Bros are like kind of like what I would call the post-colonial left. At least that's what I thought. I mean, okay, so as long as they're semi-racially aware and they realize there's different racial differences from the left-wing and the right-wing perspective, they're still farther than a lot of fucking Trump supporters who deny races any aspect. I think that's also, you know, part of kind of the Anglo kind of thing. That's what I unfortunately kind of think. No, it is. Like, Germans and Anglos will not admit race, while the Italians and other people like that will. Oh, Germans, really? Uh, Yeah, well, I live in the Midwest, and most deny race as anything. Well, I think that's because of the Anglo influence. It kind of reminds me of Sargon of a cop, you know? 
you know how he always is against race like that's the typical anglo opera class thing to do mm-hmm well but we're gonna start closing this down um we are uh, like we are going to try posting a little bit on YouTube so we can chill for this a little bit better and hear your voice. Uh, if you guys have free time, check out the cast box, plenty of episodes on there. I'm going to start putting some of my older shows with bigger guests or littler guests, whatever I feel is good. Uh, that's a lot easier to sh- tell your friends, chill everywhere. Uh, next time we're on here, bring us diamonds, whatever. Help me my workout funds pay for my gym so i can beat your ass in real life roger do you got anything uh, any last words uh no no okay no lies show your shit no you're watching this already you know what that showing is useless no, no, but we got CastBox listeners. That's actually been getting more people, which I'm really right. surprised. If you're listening to this on CastBox, you're not going to watch the DLive. Yeah, fuck DLive, man. It's full of juice. Especially no lies. Damn right. I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Also, rem- I want to remind everyone to fuck your local Jew out of existence. That's right. Cuck his wife, too. Yeah. Okay, so... That's our motto is if we can't beat them, join them. And if we can't join them, we'll breed them out. If we can't join them, we'll beat them all. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No lie. Well, actually, well, there's a new fetish that you can actually take advantage of. I think Jews have this weird weird fetish where they actually want somebody to dress up as either a member of the SS, Hitler, or Stalin, or the NKVD, and they want to get fucked. And it's part of a Jewish female BDSM fetish. I am actually not surprised. I am not surprised. I'm sure we all know about the Stalag magazines. Well, well, it's like funny because it's not only like, they they not only have it for Hitler, the SS, and the Wehrmacht, they also have it for Stalin and uh, Russian NKVD. I have met like, I have met Jews that want you in full skinhead garb and everything. Like, uh, it gets even better. If we're going to get really degenerate here, I, my buddy told me that he had black people messaging to fuck her or fuck them in full skinhead shit and like full racist redneck shit. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had a friend who told me that a Jew ass approached him for it and he said no because it was disrespecting his ancestors. His ancestors were asking. <laughs> I, I got a video I want you to end on. No lies, let me look it up. Give me one second. Is it gonna am I gonna have to cut this out for the YouTube? Uh no, it's all speaking. Okay. Uh don't you don't upload this whole entire video. Just do like five, ten minutes of it. So they actually look on our cast box and everything if they are interested. Um Today, the FBI says this man, Robert Rundo, is the leader of a white nationalist group that... Um, Talk about who Robert Rundo is. Within MS-13, Rundo was known as El Diablo Blanco.
I don't know. What's dude. going on, guys? Kinda... Rob Rundle here with the Media to Rise Projects and the Guys Line to Rise Weekly Series. Um, it's going to be a short video. I'm on vacation right now. Well, not vacation. I'm working on another documentary series, but we took a day to uh, dip out to this little slice of paradise in Europe that's uh, behind me. Um, <clears throat> and why I'm here, I mean, I just, I just had to think to myself how fortunate I am right now to be here. Considering this time last year, I was in federal prison facing 10 years, you know, and whatever, whatever other charges that they can make up and use against me. You know, to this day, I still got people wanting to bring me back, stuff like this. And I just wanted to put it like a message. I know like when you see things going on in America, when you see things going on around the world, uh, it can be extremely blackpilling at times. We can get so caught up in all the negativity uh, that, that we see and that we take every day on Telegram, that we watch in uh, countless videos. You know, and it's important sometimes, man, to just take a second, <clears throat> appreciate some of the stuff that you have going on around you. Take time to get offline. Take time to get away from your phone. Take time to go out on, on like, places traveling. Man, there's so much out there that... Uh, there are places out there that you can still go to where it's not completely corrupted. There are small villages you could go to around Europe where you can still feel, you know, true European culture. You don't have to worry about, you know, mobs coming screaming in your face, some, you know, all the craziness that we have. Um, so I just wanted to make this video say how fortunate I am to be here. Um, and for people out there, you know, to know. Man, there it does get better. You know, there there are things when you're going through these struggles. Just don't get too caught up in a negative lifestyle. Take a look around you. Try to enjoy your life. You know, while you're here, always be prepared. But still, try and enjoy your life. Anyway, this is Rob Rundle, and I'm signing off.